KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now with the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show. We're now proudly presented by our friends at the Iowa State University Foundation. Right now, Iowa State students and faculty are giving their best to make our state and world a safer and healthier place. Your gift to Iowa State can move what matters, from opening doors to a great education and sharing Iowa State's best with the world. Make a gift at movewhatmatters.com. Now, for the latest on all things Cyclones, Here's your host, Cyclone Fanatics, Jared Stansberry. Yo, it's another Cyclone Fanatic radio show powered by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Jared Stansberry, as always, we got Connor Ferguson here. Uh, We're going to talk some Iowa State women's basketball, maybe a little bit of recruiting uh, here to lead off the show. During the second segment, we're going to be joined by Iowa State women's basketball assistant coach Billy Fennelly. Uh, talk about all kinds of stuff. Talk about the bye week that they're going through right now. Some of the things that the team needs to continue to work on as we head into uh, the final stretch of, of Big 12 play. Uh, and then talked a lot about the transfer portal and what the transfer portal's impact will be on women's basketball as well. So uh, look forward to that during segment number two. Connor, what's up tonight, man? Well, I, I think it's pretty obvious to everyone listening that it's, it's the day that Frank Car season opener, uh, so we don't need to talk about that too much because everyone's talking about it already. So I don't, I don't don't need to tire you guys out and talk about it even more. Um, but I'm excited. It's February. Everything's starting, uh, and March Madness is getting closer. Yeah, man. I imagine uh, Chris and Ross probably spent two hours of Sports Fanatics talking about the Sprint Car season opener. Well, their episode hasn't aired yet, but I'm sure there will be a big preview. They didn't invite me on this year uh, for it. Usually, that's a you know necessity. Well, I mean, but- uh, I mean, it, when this airs, it will have aired. This is a good, is great, great, well, job of, I, great job of being on the radio, Connor. You didn't tell me I was supposed to hide facts from people. And as a journalist, Jared, you taught me never to do that. All right. Well, I guess now everybody knows we're recording this at 2.30 in the afternoon. It's not that's 6 o'clock. Day, when I'm on it, that's usually the case. Well, that's next usually, time it'll be live. We'll, it'll be live next time, I promise. Well, everybody already knows that it was pre-recorded because before the show starts, there's a little disclaimer that says portions of this, the following program were pre-recorded. I feel like the entire show was. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that if you would do your job right, then we wouldn't have to have this conversation. But uh, Iowa State women's basketball had a – I mean, I I guess what you would call a bye week this week before going down to TCU on Saturday to take on the the Horned Frogs. Uh, Team's playing well. You know, you had the tough little stretch there uh, with all the – obviously the weird stuff with uh, COVID and, and things like that for uh, for Ashley and Aubrey Jones. Um, but ever since then, you know, now how many wins in a row? Four wins, four straight wins, uh, back to tied for first place in the Big 12. Uh, have we kind of just seen this team pick up where they left off a little bit after that, uh, after that rough week that they had with the two losses to Texas and Baylor? Yeah, I think we have. I think uh, that, that stretch of – what happened in that Baylor and Texas week came at the worst time. Uh, I think this Iowa state team absolutely has what it takes to beat Texas. Um, they've already shown that they've had what it beats to beat Oklahoma. Who's tied with them uh, at the top of the standings and Baylor, like I think Baylor proved in that Iowa state game in that win uh, in Waco down there, that they are a lot more dangerous than previously thought. Um, and they kind of remind me of that Iowa state team that had, uh, Matt Thomas, Deontay Burton, 
uh, Monte on the same team, you know, like really good shooters all around. And if they're all on, it's going to be really, really uh, tough to beat them. So uh, I guess in that sense, like they're, they're back on track to things, but they're, they're one of the best Iowa state women's teams and one of the best teams in the big 12 in general that I think we've seen. So the next three games are going to be really big for them. And then uh, we'll kind of just go from there. We should probably know after this three game stretch, what their odds are of winning the league, right? Yeah. Uh, I expect, I expect them to win Saturday against TCU. That wouldn't be too hard of a game. Uh, TCU just, I think, dropped one to Oklahoma State, who was in last place in the league. Uh, but the next week is Oklahoma and Texas and back-to-back games. If you somehow come out of that 2-0, and then your chances of winning the league are very, very high. Uh, you, of course, have to beat Baylor. Yeah. Um, and then you got to see if Baylor drops. Baylor would have to drop two games for that last Baylor game not to matter. Do you know what the what Oklahoma's schedule is like? Uh, I do not, but I can check real quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I feel like this team. If Oklahoma, if you, if, you, if you get through next week, like you're going to be in good shape. But Oklahoma, you know, they're obviously tied at the top of the league right now. Yeah, so Oklahoma has Texas on Saturday on the road, and Texas okay. nearly dropped one to Texas Tech the other night. Um, so we'll kind of see how that goes after that. Their schedule kind of eases up. They still got to play Kansas state. They still got to play Kansas, uh, but both of those are at home. So they're going to have a strong mark through the end of the year as well. Uh, Iowa state did, um, have a comeback win at Oklahoma already this year. Uh, so they've shown that they can beat them and beating them at Hilton should is seemingly on paper. That is easier to do. Uh, but obviously that's uh, still a big game. Um, I just want to double check. That is Saturday at six o'clock, um, a week next, from this Saturday. Yeah, so. next Saturday. Yeah. What? I mean, TCU. What is? What has their season been like? I, I know that they're towards the bottom of the league right now, but I know that they've got a pretty veteran team, don't they? That they is still pretty dangerous if if they're playing well. Well, uh, Jared, they're actually six and fourteen um, okay. so far this year. Uh, yeah, and they just uh, lost to Oklahoma State to get. Okay, them that it, it must have been Coach Speak when Billy, you know, was talking to me about how how dangerous TCU is. Then, but and that's what you got to do uh, in a league like this to avoid letdown losses is treat every team like it's a championship team. I think uh, former Barnstormer coach Dixie Wooten treat. Uh, he said every game's the championship. Uh, and he, he just kept saying it and they happened to play in a championship. And so they were ready for that, I guess. What, what was that game called again? It's the United bowl. Yeah. The United bowl. So I was there. I should have, I should remember that, but uh, yeah, that was, that was something else. Uh, how, how have we seen Ashley Jones pick up since she had her two game or one game break where, where the, she wasn't able to play. She's uh, she's getting things back on track. Uh, the weird thing about Ashley is she hasn't, uh, had or needed to have, um, and that's a debate we could have too. Uh, but she hasn't like gone off for 30 points or anything in the past. That would be like a necessity sometimes for Iowa state to win. If they didn't have Ashley Jones scoring 32 points that day, they would have lost the game. Now you're getting production out of Emily Ryan, Lexi Donarski, um, in any given star on a given night. Right. So you're kind of seeing Iowa state's uh, role players step into primary roles. I shouldn't say role players, secondary 
players, I guess. Secondary um, stars, yeah. yeah. Yeah, pick up pick up the scoring, and that's huge for Iowa State. Emily Ryan is playing the best basketball of her career, and if she keeps that up, they're going to be really, really dangerous. How yeah. what what have, how have you seen her grow in this during this season? Because it seems like she's made a massive leap, even from where she was at during non-conference play. Well, she just she looks more comfortable every time she takes the court. You know, it's uh, you can't it's all eye test, right? Like if you watch every game and go back, she looks kind of nervous sometimes. And there's still times where she kind of looks nervous taking the ball in. Um, but, you know, she'll she'll have the defender try to steal it a couple of times, almost lose it twice, uh, turn around and find someone for an open three or find a way to get to the hoop and lay it in. And it's, it's almost insane to watch in like a, how did she get the ball there mm-hmm. type of way. Um, and yeah, she's she's grown so much for Iowa State, and that's probably probably the best part of that signing class, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I I think Lexi's been pretty good though in her own right. You know, she has. I'm not trying to take any anything away from Lexi. Yeah, no, and I, power I, rankings are where they're at now. Next, I mean, week I think right now it'd be hard. It would be hard to keep obviously Ashley from being. I mean, she, shoot, she's probably a Big Twelve Player of the Year, right? Uh, I think that goes to Kansas State's Aoka Lee. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, Baylor played Kansas State Wednesday, and I don't know if Lee was hurt or not. I haven't, and that's on me for not doing my due diligence to look at other teams in the conference, but uh, they lost by, like, 50. Oh, my gosh. And I don't think Aoka even had 10 points because the team high was 10, and uh, this is bad radio, but I'm going to try to find the box score of it. And see yeah, no, you're good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just – I think when you you look at this, like it, it would be hard to, in my mind, keep Emily Ryan off first team all league. You know, Ashley's going to be first team all league. Like, it, is it possible for Iowa State to have three first team all league players? I mean, that seems like it would be crazy. It it does, and I think it is possible. Would you agree if I said I think they have to win the conference outright to get three? Yeah, and it, and that was even my thing with Ashley. Like, if if Iowa State wins the league. And I mean, where's Kansas State at in the league? In the middle to the bottom? Uh, they're like third or fourth. Okay. So, okay. Well, I guess they're up there towards the top then. I don't know. I think it would be hard to not have Ashley be the Big 12 player of the year if they won the league. Yeah, exactly. That would that'd be her fighting chance at it. The, Lee had that record. That record yeah. Game. Um, but, you know, when your offense is throw it to the big girl down low and have her shoot a two-pointer, uh, teams figure that out pretty quick. Yeah. So, I think they've somewhat figured that out over at Kansas state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. So there's a lot of been a lot of years and a lot of basketball played where throw it down to the big man and let him go to work. And it didn't matter how many people you threw at them. They're going to still get theirs. I mean, I, obviously Ioka Lee has been able to get her still, you know? Uh, all right. Let's talk about some recruiting really quick here before we, before I let you go, what's been going on here the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll have a uh, – it should be up by the time people are listening to this, but uh, Anthony, I did an interview with Anthony Brusa. He's a uh, – I would call it like a classic Matt Campbell recruit. I don't know if I'm overstepping my boundaries and labeling these, but he had a lot of offers to Mac schools, and he picked up his first Power 5 offer to Iowa State uh, this week. So he was what, pretty – What position does he play? Offensive line. Okay. What, what are I think his guard. measurables? Uh, let me – double check on his height man this has just been a phenomenal radio as connor's always pulling up things on his computer 
You're pulling up the stuff. I have 17 tabs open, and Jared's like, "Let's let's get something on on the 18th." Oh my gosh! <laughs> 17 six five, tabs six five, pulled up on your computer, bro. Man, that gives me anxiety just thinking about it. Those, I keep. It's how you keep organized. They would be so small. Like, how can you even see what each one is? I only need two letters to tell me what it is. Huh. Okay. Well, have you figured I it out? I know. Iowa State something. Yeah, six five two seventy. Okay. So he's a yeah cool. good size kid. That sounds about probably about like what they they think about a guard. What what did he have to say when you talked to him? Uh, he's excited about it. You know, anyone that gets their first Power Five offer after having like eight from max schools and uh-huh. smaller schools like that is going to be pretty amped. And I think it's kind of a long time coming for him. He's been to a ton of camps uh, over the past summer. Um, I'm friends with his cousin, so I know a little bit more about him than I would the normal recruit. But I know he's been working really hard to get to where he is, and it's uh, big for him to just have that Iowa State offer in hand. And where is he from? He's out of Illinois. Okay. Has he had interest from any other Power Fives or just uh, just Iowa State? I think he's had interest. I believe he's been getting some stuff from Illinois and Iowa, uh, but I'd have to pull up his Twitter. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, I mean, that. Um, um, other, gonna, keep going. No, go Let's ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, the, the other stuff I was looking at um, is Iowa State's hosting a series of three unofficial overnight visit periods uh, for some recruits. Um, the dates are published. We'll have that in the Friday recap. Uh, who's announced they're going um, and when they're going as well. I know some recruits haven't uh, made that decision yet because it's mm-hmm. the end of March and the beginning of April. So long time to uh, figure out who will be there that weekend, but uh, maybe potential for commitments by then. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see. I would say that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, that's got to be during spring football then, I, I would think. So I guess yeah, we know, yeah, we know when Iowa State's going to do spring practice. I'm ge- yeah, I'm guessing it'll be somewhere. Do they usually start at the end of March? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll get back from Kansas City, and it'll be time to start thinking about spring football. So that'll be tough on the women's basketball teams in the Final Four, Jared. Man, I hope that they are. Where's the Final Four at? Oh, I knew this too. <laughs> Man, I, I, you, I, I will pull it up. I will pull it up since I know that you have so many tabs open. Well, I got the nineteenth. Here we go, Minneapolis. It's in Minneapolis. Yes, I knew oh, it was either man. Indiana. I knew it was either Indiana, Chicago, and Minneapolis. So, man, if Iowa State goes to the Final Four, we're going, brother. I'll I'll tell you that right now. I figured that. I was planning on that. Yeah, no, we'll. I, I've had to keep my schedule. Well, I was going to go to Louisiana for some sprint car racing, but I opted to not schedule that. Well, keep your <laughs> keep your options open just in case you could still go to Louisiana. But if Iowa State is playing in the Final Four, we will be there. I can promise you that, uh, especially if it's going to be in. Minneapolis, but all right, man, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Get more information on recruiting and and Iowa state women's basketball, uh, later down the road. Thanks for taking the time to join us tonight. Absolutely. Appreciate y'all for having me close a couple tabs on your computer. All right. Right now. You think it'll go faster if I do? Yes. I think that it will probably go considerably faster. This is why Chris needs to get you a new computer is because you've torn your, your current one up by, uh, opening 18 tabs on it. Why wouldn't support 18 tabs? Uh, yes, I, we will make sure to get you one that will support. So? Okay. Well, that's, yeah. That's the kind of stuff I, I want it. Big banner at the top. That... 
All right, Billy, Billy Fennelly, Iowa State women's basketball assistant coach, Billy Fennelly, coming up next on the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show presented by the Iowa State Foundation on the Morning Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Hi, Cyclone fans. This is Dr. Brian Warmy, orthopedic sports medicine surgeon at McFarland Clinic. I really enjoy working with athletes of all ages, including the football team here in town. My colleague, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all ages, including sports injury evaluation, treatment, arthroscopic surgery, stem cells, and other biologics. Come see me in Ames for your sports injury needs, and don't let your injury keep you out of your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. My life gets crazy with my twins and a husband who works 80 hours a day, I mean a week, and I decided to start my own business on top of it, which is insanely crazy. But thanks to the Iowa Clinic, it was easy to see my doctor. And when I get there, she listens to me. So I feel like I have a partner. And before I know it, I can get back to my crazy, busy, insanely busy life where I have a busy business, busy husband, busy twins. Oh no, where's the other one? Oh, I'm holding her. Anyway, with same-day appointments and online scheduling, the Iowa Clinic is care how you want it. Visit iowaclinic.com. Hey y'all, Brent Bloom here. Let me tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Martin Clive. They have a giant new store that they opened up about a year and a half ago. They're in West Clive, right near the Waukee border, my old stomping grounds. And they can help you out with any of your needs. In fact, with a larger warehouse now, a larger selection, they have many items right there at the store. In fact, my mom just needed some new appliances recently. It was an easy call to make. Told her to call Tim Mullen and the guys and gals over at Nebraska Furniture Martin in Clive. And always ask for the price match. They'll help you out. There's something competing out there. Check out our Cyclone Fanatic friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers. They've been coming on here for the last couple of years. I've been telling you guys about them. I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years, and I've learned so much. One thing specifically, I didn't really know this before. I guess I probably should have, but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns that helps farmers care for the pigs they protect the pigs from extreme temperatures predators you know all that stuff it is so high tech some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing and they're doing it all to feed our world and and don't forget about this so you can have some of that delicious iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall from everyone at cyclone fanatic i'm chris williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers the cyclone fanatic podcast network is now fueled by the mississippi river distilling company it is located in Claire, iowa and owned by cyclones in fact one of them even used to be Cy. people ask us all the time how can they help out at cyclone fanatic well Here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowish cream liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM KXNO. And we're going to go to the phones now, joined by Iowa State women's basketball assistant coach Billy Fennelly. Billy, thanks for taking some time to join us tonight, my man. Uh, I'm excited to have you. 
Yeah, anytime, Jared. Thanks for having us. For sure. It's been a, a little bit of a quieter week for you. Have you been enjoying your, your off week ahead of uh, Saturday's game uh, at Hilton or not at Hilton Coliseum down in, uh, in Fort Worth? Yeah, it's, uh, it was. It, we kind of felt like we ran really hard there, especially the month of, of January. We had five road games. Um, kind of felt like we couldn't really unpack our bag, but, uh, it was, it was a great month. Don't get me wrong, but got out on the recruiting trail a little bit earlier this week. It, it took advantage of that and uh, gave our kids a little bit of rest. Um, but also sharpened up some things that maybe weren't necessarily pertinent to one specific opponent, but kind of just getting better, um, being a little bit better version of ourselves on a couple different things that we may see the second time through. So, um, and then, yeah, today we're back at it. And uh, we'll start preparing for TCU uh, here today in about uh, a few hours. Man, there's something, you know, this is, I think, uh, my eighth year of covering Iowa State basketball and being just watching closely and things like that. And there's something different about this team, man. But I I can't really pinpoint it. What, what do you feel like there is that's maybe setting this group apart from some of the other ones you've had in recent years? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we just have a lot of, we have a lot of different kids that can step up at different times. I, I don't think we have anybody that has uh, any level of selfishness on this team. Um, you know, we, you got an all American and Ashley Jones who's been doing her thing for three years. And recently in the last, I think two or three weeks is probably passing the ball better than she ever has in her career. Um, and how many people would say that about a kid who already has all the accolades that she has. Uh, but that's, that's what makes us so good, I think. And that's what, you know, people are bringing double teams at her left and right. And she's throwing the ball to the five man. Uh, she's throwing the ball to M and Lex. Uh, and, and I think right now um, we got the best point guard in the league. And uh, Emily Ryan's playing at a really, really high level. She gets everybody in the right spot at all times, offensively and defensively. Um, I think Lexi Donarski is probably the most underrated on-ball defender uh, around because she's not going to, wow you with the amount of steals that she has or anything like that. But the job that she does on every other team's best guard um, allows us to, to play defense the way that we want to. Um, and our five man has, you know, we went into the season kind of talking about a big question mark there. And um, not that, to say that any of them are going to be first team all conference players, but that group as a whole, after 40 minutes, every single night has been really, really good. And uh, it's given us a chance to be successful uh, on the block. I I'm glad you bring up the front court because that was going to be my next point in this, you know, the thing that I thought, and I, I'm sure you will agree. The thing that would keep you guys, you always have had the guards to keep up with these really good teams, but when you would get down to it, the front court would kind of be the thing where people could really beat you. And it, you know, Morgan Kane and Beatriz, like you, like you said, they're not going to be first team all league people, but to, they do a good enough job to at least make it a wash with the, with the bigs. And I've just been so impressed with their development, especially Morgan. Like she has made so many, so many strides and just to get to where she is, you know, able to do the things she's able to do for this team. Like uh, that's a lot of credit to the staff. It's a lot of credit to the work that she's put in because you can just clearly see how much time she's put in the gym to just continue to get better. I think that group has been really impressive. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're exactly right, Jared. She, she came in this summer and uh, actually did an internship at the university of Clemson because she wants to be a strength conditioning coach. So she was over there uh, this summer, but she was the one kid who really wasn't hampered by injuries this summer and really put in the work. And we said, Hey, you know, Christian Scott um, is gone. 
And there's a lot of minutes to be eaten up by somebody. And I think we kind of took the approach and really Mo led that effort of, Hey, we have four post players and, you know, somehow, some way we're going to end up getting 40 minutes and all of our numbers combined need to be, you know, if we can get to 14, 15 points and 10 or 12 rebounds at the end of the game total, that that's like having a one player who, who plays 40 minutes and averages a double, double, but, but we're staying fresh. And I think that's what you've seen. We've played against some really, really good post players. The best post player in the country, in my opinion, Ayoka Lee from, from Kansas state, uh, put 38 on us the first time we made some adjustments and uh, scored 12 against us the second time. Uh, The kid at Iowa is a good post player. uh, First team all league kid. We, we more than held our own against her. So we've seen, you know, and not just offensively and obviously them making layups and and scoring around the basket, both her and B are are shooting over 50%. I think Mo's even close to 70%. Again, not a huge, huge volume, but when she gets the opportunity, she's making it. And, and I think even so, like I said, more so than anything, it's the fact that nobody's really beating us on the block um, and we're holding our own defensively. And so obviously that's been a, a huge, huge piece of it. And uh, our guards are playing at really all conference levels, all, all three spots. How have you seen the transfer portal impact uh, recruiting in, in women's basketball? Obviously we know you know, how much of an impact it's had on men's basketball and on, on football. But I mean, you guys got two transfers this year and in Nymir and and Beatrice that have both played big roles for you. Like how, how have you seen those things play out on the women's side? Yeah. I mean, I think I've always said that we are um, probably two or three years behind men's basketball in almost everything, you know, whether it is, whatever it is, you know, just recruiting tactics or the way kids are being recruited or, um, the way the game's being played, spacing, all, all, all those kinds of things, with the exception of the men are still playing halves and can't advance the ball late in the game, mm-hmm. which I can't understand. They got it. They got to go to quarters and they got to call timeout, advance the ball. It makes things so much better. I, I love all that, the, the NBA, the Euro stuff. But um, anyways, I think we had a record amount of transfers last year. I want to say some over like 700 in women's basketball alone. Um, and you just, you hit on it. I think B is playing a huge, huge role for us, uh, 15 to 20 minutes a game. And Nye has really come into her stride over the last couple of weeks and playing at the highest level that she's played since she's been here. For us, it's a little bit tough. Our 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 system is a little bit more complex than a lot of places where they're just going to say, hey, roll the ball out there, set one ball screen, and let's play. Um, you know, we're, we're a little bit more uh, play-centric. Uh, we do some different things defensively. So it's, it is hard for somebody to walk right in and just hit the ground running. Um, but that's why I think you've seen those guys get better as the season has gone on. They've gotten more comfortable, but it's definitely a huge, huge piece. Uh, the one thing about women's basketball that men's basketball is different and men's basketball, they have 13 scholarships. So TJ and those guys over there, they're working hard to try to find 13 players. We get 15, um, just because of, you know, how title nine, you know, mm-hmm. football has so many scholarships, obviously. So they got to divide it out other, all the other women's sports. 15 is too many. So, we usually always have two or three that we can play with in the transfer portal, which is nice. Um, so obviously moving forward, that's a huge, huge thing and something that I think everybody will be doing, but uh, we're, we'll certainly uh, dip in there and, and take a look this, this off season as well, just because I think there'll be so many of them and, and uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep tuned to that, but you, you're probably not going to find a, a complete rock star um, 
And for us, we don't need that. But I think what you're seeing from B and I are, are huge, huge pieces that are making our team better um, without necessarily, you know, filling a stat sheet every night. There's a flip side to this though, too, where, you know, obviously women's basketball does not have the one and dones and the people that are going pro early and things like that. So it's a more developmental sport where people are more veteran that you're playing against on a given night and a kid that comes in as a freshman and wants to play right away, maybe doesn't have that success and they go into the portal. Like, do you think that there's going to be some, some issues where people are not as willing to stay and commit to a program and be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, do my time and I'm going to build my way up and try and work my way up as a freshman and learn the system and all those kinds of things, instead of just jumping out and going to find somewhere where it's easier. Does, does that question kind of make sense? I feel like it's yeah. it, it, in men's basketball. It's like, if you're a freshman, you're kind of expected to come in right away and play. And it, that's obviously how it right. is in women's basketball too, but it's just, you know, there's not quite as many of them that come in and make an immediate impact as there is on the men's side. Absolutely. No, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's where, um, you know, for us in the way that we do things, we want to try to identify those kids that, um, you know, want to get better and can see the bigger picture outside of just the first year. Um, you know, it's, it's the, it's the old thing where, you know, freshmen want to play sophomores want to start juniors want to make the all conference and seniors want to win. You know, we want to find kids that, that want to win right away. And that may mean, you know, they're finding 10 minutes as a freshman. Um, you know, I think Danae Fritz, would have been a great example of that. Uh, I think she would have been a, a huge piece for us this year, um, the way she was doing some things. But, you know, then then develop every single year and get and get better and better and better. You'll see that next year. Obviously, she's going she's gonna to redshirt. But, you know, you're not going to see every year where, like, a Lex, Lexi Donarski and Emily Ryan are going to start as freshmen. And then now they probably should both be first-team all-conference kids as technically sophomores or COVID freshmen, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think the COVID piece of this made it even more complicated. Cause like you said, there were kids that, you know, whether they came here, not, not, uh, not necessarily us as much, but like Maryland, Baylor, um, Indiana, there's all three of those teams. And, and there's a lot more are super, super old this year in women's basketball. All of those kids came back. Um, we're like, if Kristen Scott would have came back, which she could have, but she wanted to enter the workforce and she had so many nagging injuries and she was ready to move on. And, but like you wouldn't be seeing what you're seeing from Morgan Kane, you know? So if, if, and I think that's hampered a lot of the freshmen and sophomores in women's basketball, because there were a fair amount of seniors that came back. And so that's what you're going to see in the transfer portal this year is those kids who thought they should have been playing this year. All of a sudden the 24 year old came back last year. Now they're upset. They're frustrated, whatever. And, and whether it's right or wrong, because probably they would play next year, but they're already so frustrated that you're going to see, I think, in my opinion, a lot of those freshmen and sophomores at some really high-level program teams um, hit the portal. We're talking to Iowa State women's basketball assistant coach Billy Fennelly right now on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation. Uh, you bring up the the COVID year, and I, I've got to ask, and I don't know how much these conversations have even been had or anything like that, but have, what do you think the – chances are that Ashley takes one of those years and, and decides to come back next year. Obviously she'll have a professional future, but have you guys even had those conversations yet at this point? We have not, you know, we're kind of just letting things play out. I know, um, I know she's aware of, of all of her options. I know she's um, going to consider it. And, and Ash is one of those kids that she's very big into her schooling. She wants to be a teacher. Um, so she's doing all of her student teaching, uh, you know, 
I think in women's basketball more than anything, you see that more than what obviously you're going to see in men's basketball. And Ash is, is a unique situation because she is going to have the ability to get paid to play basketball, mm-hmm. but that's not going to last forever. So whatever she feels she needs to do a route she needs to take to, um, you know, set herself up for a career after basketball is what I think probably young women put ahead of, you know, some of the guys that you see, you know, um, cause every guy thinks they're going to be an NBA all-star for 15 years. You know, it's like, well, um, luckily in our sport, I think for the most part, you see, uh, young ladies that are really trying to set themselves up academically and, and, and set the bar up so that when the ball does stop bouncing where they're going to be. So, uh, but in Ash's case, uh, you know, we'll sit down, we'll have those conversations when the time is right. Uh, but she's super focused on, on what we're doing right now. Um, I think we're having as much success, if not more than, than in any time in her career. And obviously she's playing a huge, huge role of that. And you're seeing a lot of different assets of her game, um, come out. So, uh, when the time's right, I'm sure the, the right people will sit down and discuss that, but I can assure you none of those uh, decisions have been made yet. What is that area in her game that you've seen grow the most uh, over the last year or so? Yeah, I think defensively, um, obviously, I think she can really guard on the perimeter, which which is one of those things that she's going to have to carry over into the pro game. And I think, uh, you know, just being able to pass the ball, understand a double team. Um, you know, for us, obviously, she gets double teamed a ton. And I think early on in her career, maybe we didn't do a good enough job of, of getting people moving and getting people around her that, that could help her out in those situations. But I think the fact that our five man is diving to the basket and she's just simply spinning or taking a step back and bouncing the ball right to him. Um, obviously she's got Lex and M on the perimeter that, that are helping her out and things like that. So her ability just with the ball to make quick split seconds decisions have gotten better as they've needed to. Um, you've seen times where people have come really hard at her and, you know, it's a jump ball or, or a turnover or something like that, but she has really worked hard at that to try to um, obviously limit not only not a great shot by us, but also get the ball out of there as quick as possible to get a wide open shot for somebody else. And uh, that's part of the unselfishness that she's been working a lot, a lot on. And I've seen, we've seen uh, probably the most over the last three or four weeks. How have you seen her work ethic? I know how much time she puts into to perfecting her game. How much, how have you seen that rub off on, on some of her teammates and, you know, kind of set an example for, for the girls in the, in the class below her. Yeah. Luckily we have a really good group right now of kids who just um, like to get into the gym. And uh, you know, I, Ash has obviously always been one of those kids. It's just kind of the way they grew up, you know, that's what they did. So, um, you know, her and Aubrey are, are in there and, and that's always been a, a comfort zone for them, but we have a, a wide, I, I can't pinpoint one kid that doesn't really like to get in there. And obviously some injuries and, and some things like that hamper some people from doing as much as some others. Uh, and we're being extra cautious with that probably right now. But I think for the most part, uh, I mean, you Emily Ryan is, is one of the biggest gym rats I've ever seen. She's in there every single morning. She's kind of got her own routine that she, she does every single morning. Others come in, you know, different times. M is a little bit more regimented, but uh, you know, some people like to come in at night. You can always tell by the, by the music that's being played, you know, uh, eight in the morning, we got some country bumping, you know, uh, Emily's in there, you know, six, seven o'clock at night. You might hear some hip hop, some rap, you know, it's probably somebody else, but uh, sometimes if Beatrice is in there, you can't understand a word the music's saying. She's got some, some Portuguese uh, radio station popping, but uh no, we, we're lucky in that regard. And, and I think that's something that um, has attributed a lot to our success. And 
obviously Ash has been doing it for, for a long time, but uh, luckily we got a lot of them that are doing it. For Emily, does it just, do you think that this, I mean, she's exploded here over the last couple of weeks in the, in the way that she's been playing during big 12 play, do you think that this is experience coming through as much as anything, or is it, is there something that she has done, you know, differently that maybe has, has allowed her to, uh, to have the success that she has here over the last several months? I think it's experience. I really do. I think, you know, obviously she got thrown into the fire last year and you saw some ups and downs, but I think you saw a lot of flashes of, of what she could be. Um, you also saw her struggle against, you know, some really athletic physical teams that, that she didn't experience in high school. And then I think this year you've just seen, and, and even, you know, probably pre Christmas, a little bit more of the, the up and down with a little bit of, of what we ended last year with. Um, and then I think really since, since the big 12 started this year and the competition has, has risen uh, even more. So she has handled it um, really, really well. And, and I think, I think all of that is experience confidence. I, th- I do think, uh, you know, our line moved back to the men's line three point line this year, where last year it was about a, a foot and a half closer. I think for a kid like Emily um, that did bother her early in the year. Um, and we talked a lot about that. We looked at some different things and, I mean, knock on wood, I think she's made 13 of her last 16. She was six for six in the last game. So um, right now she's shooting the ball with confidence. And look, I mean, we think it's going in every time she shoots it. So, uh, but more so for her, I mean, she knows what plays to call. She knows where everybody's supposed to be. She knows what defense is supposed to come. She's calling out the other team's plays before they know where they're supposed to go. So it's all the little small intangible things that, you know, people would pick up on if they came to 10 minutes of practice. But, um, those are the things that don't show up in the stat sheet, but also allow everybody else to be that much more comfortable and that much more, um, you know, have that much more success in what their role is. But she makes the game uh, so much easier for her team, both on offense and defense. I know you guys are focused on this on this game on Saturday against TCU, but the big picture view, I mean, you've got seven games left. You know, what's it going to take – to be able to, you know, hopefully win a big 12 regular season title. Like where do you guys need to continue to improve? What are the strides that you want to continue to see this team make uh, to be right there in, you know, in contention at the very end with some, obviously some huge games left on the schedule. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously everybody just kind of talks about the next 40 minutes and I, and I get all that. We also understand the big picture. Um, You know, we have, we have goals as well. I think that the ability, the, the good thing for us is that we've seen everybody in the league already. Um, and with the exception of one week that, that had a lot of, a lot, a lot of issues going on with it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and we're not making any excuses, but with the exception of that one week um, where we didn't play well at all, uh, we've handled everything really, really well. And so I think we're excited to get those teams back, uh, back in our gym, you know, uh, hopefully at full strength. Obviously we got to go to Texas, but I think the other teams that are kind of in the top half of the league, uh, have to come to us. So, you know, obviously we have to play them. Those are going to be tough games, um, but they got to come to Hilton with the exception of Texas. So, uh, you know, obviously, but the, the one thing about the big 12, and I've said this to numerous people, I think this is as good as the big 12 has been um, since I can remember. And obviously I've been around it for a really long time. Uh, you know, I think Baylor has a potential to be a final four type of team when they're rolling and they're hitting on all cylinders right now. Um, I think, I think us and Oklahoma are a team that in a right, uh, you know, draw in the NCAA tournament are going to be a really, really, really hard out. Obviously, Texas went to the Elite Eight last year. Um, but then you got teams like Kansas, 
West Virginia, Kansas State, who was uh, in the NCAA's top, last, or top 16, the last reveal. The next reveal comes out today. Um, so I think the Big 12 as a whole, almost half of our league is in the top 16 or for sure in the top 20. And that's, that's based on the NCAA. So we don't have a night off, a lot like you're seeing in the men's side. I don't think there's a night off. If you're telling me that, that our guys or West Virginia or TCU are supposed to be quote unquote, your night off, good luck, you know? Um, and, and I think that's what you're seeing on our side too. Texas tech has beat Texas. Um, TCU is one of the oldest teams in, in America. You know, they, they're at the bottom right now, but they have the ability to beat anybody. So I think there's not a single score that we've seen all year where you're like, wow, that absolutely shocks me. I can't believe that. Um, and we fall right in that boat. And that's why we really have to focus on the next, the next 40 minutes. I know that sounds cliche, but we can't, we can't afford to slip up anywhere knowing uh, where our big picture goals are. And uh, hopefully we get to play some really meaningful games in a, in a really packed Hilton Coliseum uh, later on this month. All right, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we'll be watching you here this weekend and, and coming up down the stretch. And, and we look forward to, to seeing your team and, and seeing you guys have some success. And then you and me will have to catch up uh, down in Kansas City here next month. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it again, man. I appreciate it. Yep, sounds good. That's Billy Fenley, Iowa State women's basketball assistant coach. We'll be back with more Cyclone Fanatic Radio after this on the Morning Sports Station 106.3 FM KXNO. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is now fueled by the Mississippi River Distilling Company. It is located in Leclerc, Iowa and owned by Cyclones. In fact, one of them even used to be Cy. People ask us all the time, how can they help out at Cyclone Fanatic? Well, here's a way. You can pick up a delicious bottle of Cody Road bourbon or the very popular Iowa's Cream Liqueur. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to be fueled by Cody Road. So cheers to our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company. And go Cyclones. Gershman Mortgage, the Midwest's premier mortgage lender, is proud to be a part of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home, a vacation home, if you're going to upgrade or remodel that existing home, you can even refinance your current mortgage. Gershman Mortgage is here to help. With over 60 years in the mortgage industry, we have security, experience, and unmatched service. Visit our Ankeny office. Call 515-964-5952. Visit Gershman.com to get pre-approved today. Gershman Mortgage, NMS. LS number 138063, 1200 Southwest State Street, Suite E, Ankeny, Iowa, 50023, Equal Housing Lender. It's not whether you win or lose, it's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa Pork Producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Cyclone Fanatic is proud to partner with the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State University. As many business schools across the country are eliminating full-time MBA programs completely or moving them online, the Ivy College of Business is documenting all-time high enrollment for both the MBA and Master of Finance programs. To learn how a master's degree from the Ivy College of Business can boost your career, visit www.ivybusiness.iastate.edu. That's www.ivbusiness.iastate.edu. Go Cyclones! Many people are still working remotely, but a lot are gradually returning to their office, and that workplace has changed forever. Fortunately, dressing well for work has not. Mr. B and Clive has a great variety of different clothing options depending on your personal situation. 
Whether it's a traditional suit and tie or a casual pant and golf shirt for a Zoom call, we have what you need. Come see for yourself at Mr. B Clothing on 86th Street in Clive. Hey, Cyclone fans. Ever wondered how we could use our Cyclone spirit for the greater good? If we each give a little, together we can multiply the power of our gifts to help Iowa State University students when unexpected needs arise. Your gift can make the difference in helping a student finish out the semester or keep an internship experience within reach. To make a gift and to move what matters for Iowa State students, go to isufoundation.com. Hey guys, it's Williams here from Cyclone Fanatic on behalf of my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clyde. They've been a part of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show here Thursday nights on KXNO for a really long time. We're, we're talking like half a decade now. They're great supporters of what we do, and in return, we like to do the same to them. That's why anytime I need any electronics, anything like that, I call my friend Tim Mullen at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive. Not only do I get the best service in town, but they're Cyclone Fanatic supporters, big time. Give our friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive a call today and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you. This is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. This is my 30th year taking care of Iowa State athletes, and I am a proud supporter of the Cyclones. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors. Trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleague, Dr. Warmy and I, for excellent sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go Cyclones. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Uh, we're going to toss things off to Chris Williams now for a quick excerpt from a podcast he did earlier this week with Iowa State linebackers coach Tyson Veit uh, during this portion of the podcast talking about the birth of Iowa State's 3-3-5 defense, a little bit about Joel Lanning and his transition from quarterback to linebacker back in 2017, uh, which Coach Veit was obviously such a crucial piece of. Uh, and then you can find the full podcast right now on the Cyclone Fanatic homepage. But here is a quick preview on the Cyclone Fanatic radio show. I'm the card-carrying member. I started the John Haycock fan club. He's my – he's my. no offense to you, you're, you're right behind him. He's my favorite coach in America. Um, elementary school through the NFL. I'm a John Haycock guy. What he just is the way he conducts himself, the, what, what you guys have been able to do on defense. He just is a really interesting, cool guy. What is it like working with him on a daily basis? Um, well, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but I, I played for his brother in college. I did not know that. Okay. So Man, this his, coaching yep. deal is a small world. Like it. Yeah. So his, um, his middle brother, Jeff Haycock, is who I played for in college. So, um, backstory there as well. But um, okay. no, it's been um, it's been a lot of fun. I said, you know, we we got to Toledo. He and I just a couple months apart. So, um, my first year at Toledo would have been his first as as the coordinator there. Okay. Um, and, uh, then, you know, fast forward all the way to here and probably, you know, um, the unique thing is as the story goes, obviously we've, we revamped the defense at one point, you know, midstream, which we did and, and, and doing something unique, which, um, I think honestly, by doing that and, and when we did it really, brought brought us all together as a staff because 
Um, man, we knew we had to do something, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, we thought at the time, you know, what we were getting ready to do was the best thing for us coming down from the head coach, really. I mean, he, he was the catalyst to, hey, we, we've got to make yeah. this change, right? And then by, you know, you know, the head coach walks out of the room, so to speak, and we're in there like, okay, man, we've, here we go, right? Let's back that up real quick for fans, because correct me if I'm wrong. You host Texas on a Thursday night. Um, That that was the coming out of it. We'd had a 10-day period to prep for it. After the Akron game, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. And I think you you lost to Texas by like 10, but they only scored like 20 points or something like that. Yeah, and then you go on and beat Oklahoma, and then it was on at that point. Right. And this, this, so you guys beat Akron, but they had they got like a ton of third downs, right? Like their their third down percentage was off the charts in the second half, and that was it, that kind of the catalyst. It, it was. It kind of start that game was interesting. It, um, it started a spiral at the end of the half, the first half. Okay. Um, so we get in a half and it's full panic mode. Right. (laughs) Um, and you know, that was the year that Joel would come over to play. Yep. Mike linebacker. Right. Yep. Um, and, uh, then I I think, um, Marcel Spears might've gotten dinged up and then Jack Spreen comes in to, to play for Marcel. So there's a lot of chaos going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, we, we, for lack of a better term, Chris, we, we get out of there alive. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, and then we've got that. It was, I I think it was a 10 day stretch. It wasn't a full bye week. It was like a 10 day stretch because like you said, Texas came in on a Thursday. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that Sunday following that getting out of Akron deal alive is kind of when, we were okay. How do you do that? Like what? We're, you, you train like you got spring ball. You have fall camp. You've been practicing, and then oh, we're just going to change our entire system. Like right, and with like you know, God bless his soul, Joel Anning. Right, like yeah. really learning, and then <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna completely pull the rug from him on what he had been doing the last several weeks. Right, that doesn't get talked about enough ball. with him about how that he learned how to play it one way and then he's got to do it another in the middle of the year. Right. Like, so, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Right. So really, so then we, we would have started out. I think the best way to say it is kind of combining the two, right. Like mm-hmm. not, you know, like when we went to Oklahoma, it wasn't full on switcheroo. It was probably 60, 40, Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we were still trying to, at least personnel-wise, with our four down and then with the three down and kind of went that way with it to not totally shock our kids because what happened in the Texas game, um, it, we kind of just went on momentum, to be honest with you. Gotcha. And they were a different style offense yeah. at that time than Oklahoma. Oklahoma, you know, was still going to try to run it. They had Baker Mayfield. They yep. were still going to try to run it with the backs they had, and they had the real good fullback, you know. Mm-hmm. Texas was really, you know, one back and going to throw it, and that's what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really went off momentum for the Texas game, and we're like, let's just keep going with what's working, right? Yeah. 
And then we felt like a little bit of preparing. Then the next week we had to, you know, shift it a little bit. Was there, yeah. okay. So you guys, I just knowing all you guys did, you, you don't have a big ego. None of you do. When you get back from the Oklahoma game where, was there a little bit of you that's like, you know, kind of looking around be like, did we just pull that off? Or, you know, <laughs> I know you had confidence, but it's like that. It just seems it's so, it's so remarkable if you know everything that goes into like getting ready for a season to make that change on a whim like that. And then you go right. on the road is like a 30 point underdog. Like it, it's right. just so overwhelming. Like the task that you guys pulled off that day. The, the crazy part about that day, Chris. So there's a lot to it, right? Like, so Willie Harvey didn't make the trip. He was hurt. I forgot about that. So yeah, that's an NFL we don't guy. even, we don't even take Willie who was certainly yeah. a key, key guy for us. Right. Um, you know, Kyle Kemp is starting, mm-hmm. right? You've, you've got this, you know, you've got this Joel Lanning, uh, character, right. And <laughs> you're, you're trying to pump him up with, Hey, Baker Mayfield, like, man. So we, we'd gone into this major spy plan for Baker Mayfield, Joel on Baker. He was we're trying to make it as simple as we could for Joel, right. Being yeah. the least experienced defensive guys so like the majority of the time you're going to spy the quarterback, yeah. Um, so we, you know, we, we went with that deal. Well, you know, they get down, they're inside the five and, and, and they fumble and Joel recovers it mm-hmm. to kind of really start to bring us back. Cause it started out, you wouldn't have thought we were really going to be in it. No. Yeah. We get a turnover that really changes the game. We go down and score. Um, but then you're looking like, man, guys that had huge impacts like Trevor Ryan, yeah. like, Huge impact. Well, Joel plays like 14 snaps at quarterback. And he can't, like, I, I got him on the headset to try to get him into the next series. He can't even talk. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like so many different things. Well, we get, we're, we're on our way back. Right. And we're landed in Des Moines. I, I swear we we landed back front is how, <laughs> how we hit the runway. It's like boom, boom. Well, then the joke was, I don't know if you remember, well, everybody said Joel flew us home from the game. <laughs> so he gets a picture in the cockpit at the end of it. You know, it goes all over Twitter and all that. But, no, it was like we were still like, uh, to be honest with you, like, whoo, you yeah. know, yeah. let's let's make it another week now at this point, right? And – I remember that year. I always thought the most impressive win was the Texas Tech game because you followed it up, right? Like so many Absolutely. times with Iowa State in the past, it's like I mean, I I got them right here in my office. That I've got memorabilia from the win over Oklahoma State. That I always say Iowa State is the reason the BCS doesn't exist. That's my thing. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. all it's all the Cyclones, baby. Um, but Iowa State has had trouble in the past following up momentum. And that was when I was kind of like, okay, they're, these guys are for real. Like the Oklahoma game was yeah. awesome and you, you could sense all this momentum and like it was, it was good. But then when you beat Tech and then followed it up again with the TCU win, it was like, okay. Because that, that's hard to do with college kids, right? Like you just had this like momentous occasion. You're on Sports Center, You're doing all this stuff to follow it right. up. Right. Really difficult, and then I don't know if you remember the the media frenzy that embarked here with Joel and Kyle. Yes, I, I do yes. remember that. Yeah, you remember that? Like game day yeah. came and interviewed him and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that whole next week, like I, I'll never forget. 
uh, I joke with, and then and then the offense was taking Joel to to still meet. Yeah. On the quarterback stuff, I joked to Joel, I'm like, man, if you can make it to a defensive meeting this week, that'll be great. Like, <laughs> it was like, it was it was literally crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, clear credit to our guys, resilient, like man, unified, like. Um, guys were having their best years as, as seniors, you know, Joel, yeah. Alan Lazard, like, man, like just well, everything well, you'd want. When, when Joel made the switch initially, what, do you remember that first practice? Like what, what was that like? I do. I actually remember, um, the, the first call. So we had um, gotten out early on a Friday from the office. Um, and, uh, Coach Campbell had brought it up that day. We were meeting till like noon on a Friday, and uh, he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to talk to Joel about moving over to defense. What do you think?" I'm like, "Yeah, I, I'm all for it." I'm like, "You know, do you think you'll leave it up to him?" Or he goes, "Yeah, I I ultimately will, but you know, I want to present it to him in a way that he's going to have a great opportunity on defense." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm all for it." So. Uh, I remember the kids hadn't gotten home from school yet. So I, I was in the garage kind of waiting on them to get, to get back. And this was um, before we would have started spring practice, obviously. So early March. Okay. Um, and coach calls, he's like, Hey, uh, I met with Joel. Um, he's all for it. Why don't you give him a call? And I'll never forget. I'm like, perfect. Can you give me his number? Like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. you know how it goes, right? Absolutely. He's not one of your guys. So like, right. you didn't so, need to call the quarterback. <laughs> Right. So coach is like, awesome. You know, so I, I give Joel a call and he, he was, he was fired up about it. And, uh, he's like, well, man, w- when do we start? You know, I'm like, he was ready Monday to hit will be somebody. good. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was ready um, to hit somebody. Was it? I know he, Joel. he was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and this story kind of leads into a little bit of the opener that year against you and I, cause they had made a full, they were going to try to find a way to move Joel around all the time and make his life miserable knowing he was the Mike backer. Right. Mm-hmm. But our first practice in the spring, um, I shouldn't say first practice. I should say like the first scrimmage we had. Gotcha. That would have been consecutive downs and such. Um, when he came off the field after that, I'm like, man, what do you think? He's like, I have never been so tired in my life. Like at quarterback, I never felt like I would get that tired, like mm-hmm. based on, especially in practice, obviously practice is different than games for quarterbacks, but he was like, I, he goes, this, just the different level conditioning that I had to get myself into compared to playing quarterback. Yeah. Chasing is so, a lot harder than, yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, Thanks for joining us here on another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show presented by the Iowa State University Foundation. I want to give a quick thanks to our friend uh, Billy Fennelly for taking the time to talk some Iowa State women's hoops with us. Thanks to Connor Ferguson for joining us at the top of the show. And then thanks to Chris Williams and Tyson Vite for their conversation that they had earlier in the week. Uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week from 6 to 7 Thursday night here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 FM, KXNO.